Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Oh, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 762 of Flow Wrestling Radio Live. I'm your host, Christian Piles, joined by James Dean Raider. Ben Funky Askren, Summer Camps Make Winter Champs shirt. Classic. Mm-hmm. Classic. Oh, ben, I, we never had a shirt that said that. I'm like, why does my shirt say that? It doesn't say that, I don't think. It says Summer Camps, and we all know what Summer Camps make. Oh, it says. Ben, how was, how was your time in Austin? I'm sorry that we uh, we did not overlap. Um, yeah, I, you know, I was quite disappointed that you, uh, you weren't there, but we probably um. had more fun without you. <laughs> <laughs> I was almost touched for a moment there. Um, yeah, so Big Ten. We had a good time. Good, good. Um, I, I know you got worked to the bone a little bit there. Some long days. But, oh, uh, dude, that, that second day was like, oh, my God, when is this freaking going to end? We were in here to like... 10:30 our time. I think a lot. I am very grateful that I do not live on the East Coast, where sports yes. oftentimes go until 11:30. Oh yeah, it was a pain. Is a pain in the neck being a sports fan the East Coast. But so much to discuss. Big Tens were nuts. Michigan won the Big Ten championship. Something we did not see coming. Uh, but the biggest story in wrestling out of the conference weekend was about not wrestling. It was about forfeits. It was about the rampant medical forfeits that we saw all, all over the place, but primarily at the Big Ten Championships. And we saw two primarily. forfeits. Yes, two forfeits in the Big Ten Finals. We saw a disproportionate number of forfeits in uh, in the tournament just overall. We saw them in the semis. We saw them on the backsides. We saw them all over the place. And one, medical forfeits are 100% a problem in wrestling, and they are not a good thing. And the fact that you have these primetime matches that don't happen is unquestionably bad. And that would, I think, be agreed upon by everyone in the sport, including the coaches and the wrestlers that medically forfeit. Everyone knows this is not good. Um, But while medical forfeits are a problem, they're not the coach's problem, right? Mm -hmm. They're, they're, They're not... There, there's no clause in growing the sport or making a more entertaining product or anything like that. Job is to win. Their job is to win. Their job is well, win and chase. <laughs> their well, their job is to. It's and not even that. 
Their dedication is to but their why guys. Not? Well, they're it's not. It's more. It's more broader than that. Their their dedication is to their guys, and whatever the right individual decision is for the guys, medically or otherwise, or maybe not medically. Who's to say? Who's to know? And if you've been listening to FRL for a while, you know we've been talking. Maybe about their the girlfriend fourth... called them right before the match. Oh my gosh! Don't even. Um, <laughs> if you've been listening to FRL, you know we've been on the forfeit train for a while. Okay, we were we talking like about. It. We don't like it. We were talking about it in November. And so there's a couple Johnny Come Latelys here that are getting all up in arms when this has been a Johnny thing for a while. Ladies. It's like, hey, pay attention, guys. This has been happening. And we we were calling it out in the opens when guys are just treating opens like, hey, let me get a match in, let me get two matches in, and then dip. And that's what was happening in November. It, the One of the biggest forfeits yeah. I can recall when, when back when this was unthinkable is when Shakur Rashid forfeited to Miles Martin, the Big Ten Finals. It was totally like... Oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening. A guy's not makes the semis looks great and then forfeits out. So one yes. thing you're seeing right now, Iowa's under the microscope, but the bottom line is all the coaches are doing this. I uh, Well, Iowa had four guys not finish yep. the tournament. Yeah. I mean and, and Iowa 60%. is clearly not healthy right now, right? We knew Drake yeah. was hurt. Kimmer's shoulder came out on freaking live TV and got plopped back in. He Wait, really? Yeah. It came well, I out. Mean, we're watching 12 matches. We kind of like saw the aftermath of the injury, but we didn't, and they didn't show replay, so we didn't see that. It was out. They put it back in, and then he took down Ethan Smith afterwards and won the match. Then he defaulted out. Oh. Um, you know, so obviously they're under the microscope right now, and people uh, are going to look for any opportunity to pile on Iowa, any chance they can get, right? But the bottom line is this is happening everywhere. And I, I think you have to look at it. There are ways you can. Start to reel this in. I don't know if you're ever going to be able to fully um, prevent this. And also another thing you have right. to remember is this is not limited to college wrestling. In fact, I would say senior wrestling, this has been longer been a bigger problem. Where Really? I oh, my gosh. Ben, look at the backside. Well, what, of the what qualification tournaments are there internationally? Okay, well, there's there's not a there's not a one. Well, the, oh, the Olympic trials. What are you talking? About? Hold on, hold on. The tri- yeah, okay, guys, I, I see. I understand. I got every you freaking Olympic trials, you got. I mean, one match you lose. Backsides are are ghost towns. Okay. Yeah. You're the U.S. Open. You know, you can actually predict some of the guys. He loses this semi. He's done for the day. And I remember in 2013 when I started, and I go open. You look a little closer. It's like, wait, all these guys forfeit out if they don't win. Okay, yeah. so forfeits don't act like it's just college wrestling that has this problem. I think it happens. I think it's more prevalent in senior level wrestling. Okay, these guys say I can't win. I'm done. I'll call it. That's the day. It's not about how well can I do. I'll do the best I can. It's like I can't win. I can't make the team. See you later. And that's where I'm saying it's, everyone looks at Big Tens. It's happening everywhere. But the way you reel it in, there's a couple things you can do at, at the collegiate level. One. You have to stop this charade where you get this, like, the medical forfeits are like a freeze resume button. And you can just, like, be watching and waiting, and you can, boom, hit this button, and boom, I'm keeping my resume the way it is. And that's bull. Quitting cannot be rewarded, okay? Quitting cannot be something that helps your resume because preserving a resume is helping it at times. Okay, one. Two, the prevention of other wrestlers being able to improve their resume because you quit. That can't be that can't be the case either. Okay? Yeah. I should get the benefit of a win when you don't make the walk. Period. Quitting is incentivized. 
That cannot be the case. You cannot so have a you, sport. Me, what's our solution? The solution is, well, there's a couple things. One, you can't have this broad stroke. Okay, if you medically forfeit at conferences, you're done for NCAs. That is that is patently stupid. That is a bad idea. Yep. It is a good idea, one, that medical forfeits count as true seedable wins and true seedable losses, rankable mm -hmm. wins, rankable losses, um, if, if they happen. That's easy, and it should be the case. Um, and I yes. never thought I would say that, but now I'm realizing it should it should be the case. Two, and there, there's some complications with this, don't release allocations before. Release them after. Because basically, guys, oh, I made the semis, I'm qualified, peace. Yeah. Okay? If you didn't know if, if it was six or eight or nine qualifications, you're going to be wrestling back. Drake Ayala's wrestling if for seven qualifiers at, at 125, he wrestles that yeah. match. The issue with so, that um, is like they the literally brackets, create yeah. yes, like ninth place brackets yep. in the Big Ten. Also, you lose the the fun of those matches that are wrestled for well, a qualifying spot that no. you don't know it's not a you could all you could always tell them after the fact. I mean, like when the Big Ten when that round of twelve loses, you could always have someone say this weight, this weight, and this weight. Yep, Ooh, that's, go. that is an option. That is an option. And that why would not? probably get out. I said that it is an option. Yeah, I think it is. I, think I don't know. Could. Why, why would it? Uh, I don't think it would get out. Uh, I just think it would. Someone's running that tournament that would know. Um, yeah, what is sure. This like? It's probably some of Ben's spit from this weekend. Um, what? <laughs> no, just kidding. Uh, so I think those are, those are easy solutions, too. Now, is that going to stop um, Cassiope from forfeiting to Gable? Probably not. I don't think so. It, it doesn't because well, well, it, it's a true seatable loss wouldn't hurt him there because Gable's it would hurt his win percentage. But you can preserve your win percentage it. when you forfeit. You forfeit, it doesn't hurt your win percentage. It's yeah. it's it's mm -hmm. crazy. So I think those are those are some options. But there's also an overall trend. So in hey, wrestling. let me let me ask yeah. you this. Let me ask you this because um, so obviously when we look at the chart, the the Big Twelves was. They have they have slightly for reference. Less ben is talking record. about John Kozak's article that he did article. yesterday. Uh, he broke down numbers from uh, the past five years Correct. about by conference and the amount of forfeits yes. per conference. So okay, so um, what I was going to say about the article because you know you guys brought up that the alloc the allocation thing. So the Big Ten had twenty eight medical forfeits, whereas the Big Twelve only had three. And the Big 12 had slightly less matches because they have 12-person brackets versus 14. But it's not not a gigantic percent. It's not 9x, right? 3 to 28 is a 9, 9x jump over mm -hmm. you know one conference over the other. So obviously in the Big 12, I don't think any first-place matches were forfeited, not that I remember. And I don't think any third-place matches were forfeited. And obviously all qualifications in that tournament went way, significantly past four, right? And so... You you know on the, in that instance, it wouldn't have mattered, right? If uh, someone in the Big Twelve forfeited in the finals, if we're talking about allocations, mm -hmm. so there almost has to be a little more to it than that, I would think. And I, I don't know exactly what it is because it just does seem strange that well, wait, all these wrestlers over here in this conference are all forfeiting. I think, it, and I think it was like a nine percent versus a one percent of total matches is in there. It's in the article, the exact number, um, but that just seems like such a big jump, and almost like it's for whatever reason, become culturally accepted in the Big Ten, but not in the Big 12. And that that's, like, really strange to me. It is strange. The The number of qualifiers obviously has an indica is, a, is indicative of how much people will wrestle back. But, yeah, there's, uh, you know, the finalist forfeits. I mean, I can't think of 
other conferences that have had conference finals forfeited, and we've had three in the last couple of years here at Big Tens. Um, it, it is it is a weird thing, and you know I I think that these coaches are put in weird positions because guys d- don't want to wrestle as much. There, there is this growing trend in wrestling. Gone are the days of 30, 40 matches in a year pre-NCAA. I, I think that's unhealthy. I, I, I think, like I said, not maybe not for your oldest guys, but for there's a lot of guys who would benefit from 30 to 40 matches. Yeah, and you're, you're seeing it less and less. And you we got- had a question if we would ever see a 30-plus match season again pre-NCAs. I don't know. I mean, maybe. I mean, there's maybe some there's certain guys that are this at 30, year. right? Yeah, a couple. Couple. It's gonna it's gonna become a rarity, right? And I think the COVID year last year, where guys are wrestling 11, 12 matches, and the NCAs, they were able to put a pretty good product out, and it didn't look like there was major issues or liabilities from lack of mat time that that I could see. So I think you're gonna see it continue to trend down. Guys are gonna wrestle l- less and less, and also there's there's a new th- dynamic in wrestling, and actually Royce Alger was talking about this and this is a real thing it's happening on every team is it's no longer the coach and athlete it's like a more collaborative situation where you got coach you got the parents you've got the athlete and it's not like coach down to athlete you're wrestling it's like coach athlete collaboration and then the parents are involved and it's when when that happens that's why you're getting more guys in my opinion sitting out because the guys are saying hey you don't need this yeah I'm not coaching college, so I can't I can't speak to the parents that just never read. Dude, my parents trust me. My parents say I mean, I'm talking coaching high school kids and they trust me enough to have their athletes' well being in mind and they never say, No, he's not doing this or no, he's not doing that. If I say, like, hey, dude, you need to do this, they're doing it. So I have a really hard time seeing and listen, maybe you can tell me I'm wrong and it's possible that Kale Sanderson or Tom Brands or John Smith is not having the final say over whether someone's wrestling or not. I'm not saying I'm not even saying particular teams, but I think it is a little more. Um, I guess the word is collaborative, and I don't think it's across the board. Every athlete's like this. That's not what I'm suggesting, but I know for a fact there are there are parents that are saying not for Big Tens. I'm not saying for any particular instance that just happened. I'm saying overall there have been instances where coaches are like he should not wrestle here. Do not wrestle, um, and that's not coming from the coach. Coming from a parent or the athlete. Um, whereas yeah. I, I just feel like I feel like ten years ago that probably wasn't probably wasn't the case. Yeah, I mean I think there's obviously, and I really encourage this out of my athletes, whether high school or college. Um, but I, I think there is we're in a time in 2022 where um, athletes are having more of a voice, and it's actually a good thing, right? Because an athlete not saying anything because he's scared of a coach is that's not help a healthy situation. Um, and I know that probably was the case. <laughs> there was dudes that were scared of Coach Brian Smith for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's like, hey, you listen, if you got an issue, go talk to your coach. And if your coach has faith in you, they're going to trust you to you know help help them make the best decision. And they may push back, um, and that's fine. But you know, so yeah, I man, I, I kind of think it's healthy to have that balance between a power between the coach and the athlete. I agree, um, but I think it's more of a cultural thing. Um, and obviously some of these I think are necessary, but there's probably a whole bunch that are not really necessary. Um, and to your point, they just don't want to hurt their seed. Um, you know, like one that I thought of that's going to hurt his seed that, and I'm glad the match actually happened was Hamidi and Karchla. I think if they don't wrestle, 
Karchel is likely seated higher. Mm -hmm. And now because they did wrestle, Hamidi will be seated higher. Um, you know, and, and so Karchel could have sat out and protected his seed. And I'm, I'm glad he didn't. But that, but that should become the norm, not the exception. Yeah, it, it really should. And that's the – and if – I think if just simply – it's going to become more and more of a temptation as these coaches see, hey, I, why did why did we wrestle this match? It hurts our seed. Um, if if you just make the forfeits count, then I think it solves a lot yeah. of the problems. It doesn't solve I think them it solves all. a lot of problems too. You, you can't. Yeah. Um, now, is there some sort of seeding punishment that can take place for a guy that doesn't finish the conference tournament? Because there is something to be said. This guy is what a medical forfeit is is supposed to be for is like this guy is medically unable to wrestle he cannot compete this is for like hey what do we do if a guy breaks his leg and then but he's supposed to wrestle the next match what happens there oh that would be a medical forfeit that's what we should call that but now it's become this other thing so what we what it should be we should take it for what it what it actually means this guy cannot medically wrestle he cannot compete and then that should set that should inform the seed and be like hey remember 10 days ago this guy could not finish a tournament he was physically unable yeah. to wrestle. So we should probably consider that when we're seeding this guy, that maybe he's mm -hmm. not going to be quite right. And this guy, he wrestled his whole car. So at the very least, if they're close, we know one guy is healthier, and a healthier person is going to wrestle better, right? Because this guy couldn't finish a tournament, and this guy did. So I think yes. you could let it inform your uh, your seed. And they do have some sort of well, a weight it, where— It should. Yeah. It should. It should. We, how many times have we seen in the past now— um, and I and I can think of some notable uh, instances where the guy doesn't finish the conference tournaments, and then we're sitting here talking about, well, how healthy are they? We don't know. We're not sure. And then they get a high seed because they're really good, and then they don't wrestle that well because they're not healthy. Shakur was is a I primary example of that. He got Shakur, the two Makai. Makai, um, he got the he was like the four or five, I think. Um, Suriano, but. So, <laughs> Soriano <laughs> got the two with a broken ankle. That one was preposterous. He didn't even wrestle. Yeah, and they knew he wasn't going to wrestle the whole time, but they did it to jack that was, up. That was the, a bad move on Kale's part. That was a bad move. Was actually, it Lex. was actually um, well, well, a who, really smart move. Um, it didn't. No, it, it, it lacks moral integrity. You knew your guy wasn't going to wrestle, and you leave him at the two. That, that lacks moral integrity. It does. There's no other way to go around that. Yeah. I mean, you guys can be mad at me Chestnut for saying checkers. that Kale can be mad at me, but how, what else do you call it? It's lying. Yeah, that's another classic don't hate the player, hate the game situation. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, we said we said that in 2017 when it happened. It's like this guy's not wrestling. Yeah. Everyone knows it, and everyone knows he's staying in. They waited till past the scratch. So what the way it worked, yes. it was crazy. If you don't remember, if you wait till the, there's a scratch deadline to where you can get out and you can bring a guy in, bring in the 33rd guy and, and reshuffle yes. away. So they didn't pull him out until past that deadline, which kept yeah. Piccinini – up top with Gilman, whereas he would have been bumped down to the bottom half and, you know, debatably could have made the finals there, who knows, and not been on Gilman's side. Um, but, yeah, it was – listen, it's not, not, it's, not, it's not the right thing to do. No, no. But, you know, I mean, yeah, yes, if, you're, if your only goal is to win, that's the right thing to do. But uh, I don't know the way I like to live my life and, and play my games, if you will, is with the high level of integrity – and when you're purposefully gaming the system, like I really, really didn't like that. That was just not good. Not yeah, it wasn't cool for sure. Um, but then there's examples of guys like Stevan. If you remember in 2019, and this is what this is my whole point with don't 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 cherry pick the team because you don't like Iowa. Don't they're all doing it. Yeah. Okay. For sure. And St Stevan did it in 2019, and he he was the two seed. 
but he got third. Oh. Like it, so there's there's examples where they're okay, which would suggest yeah. that Stevon could have probably wrestled the, wrestled out the Big yes. Tens that year. He um, could have, but it was not. And so again, it's like if you had this reward there, it, yeah. But if you had the medical forfeit affecting the seed, then he would have wrestled it out because he could have. And and if we think, I mean, we can we can go through the list of injuries. Mm-hmm. There's not that many injuries that heal in ten days. There's really no. just there's not. No, you know, a couple things, but it's very high majority are going to be minimally better. You know, if there if there's something serious, if it's a labrum in your shoulder, if it's your LCL, like they're not going to get. You know, I mean, concussion would be one, right? If you get you ding your head a little bit, um, not a bad concussion. Yeah, you're probably gonna be better in a couple days, right? So there mm-hmm. are instances where you probably shouldn't wrestle. Uh, let's say you get hurt on Saturday, you probably shouldn't wrestle on Sunday, and you will be totally fine to wrestle. I mean, Tariq hit his head, right? Yeah, totally fine to wrestle. He didn't forfeit. Uh, ten days later, because that's what we're talking here. Ten days. Um, but the very high majority of these injuries, if you're that hurt, it's gonna be not all the way better by the time you get to NCAs. Yes, and there's also the risk of getting injured more. If you wrestle three more matches at a conference yeah. tournament, which I think a lot of people are worried about. Yeah, I think everyone's everyone says, "Hey, why would I risk wrestling when I could get I could get worse I'm injured? Set. I'm set. I can I have this freeze resume button. I can just hit it, and I can be the two seed in NCAs. Why would I not? Oh, I'll take it. I'm the two. That's cool. I'll forfeit out and let me get the two seed. Um, and we've seen it for for years now. It's good. Basically, no reward. And no reward. Decent risk. You should always be incentivized to compete and win, right? And if if the opposite is is incentivized, you should look in the mirror. So it's not on the coaches to make the fix. The rules makers, NCA have to, have to get involved. Because and now, is there an unintended consequence of the things we're saying? Yeah, there there is. But I think you're getting more and more close to guys wrestling that are able to wrestle. So I had a speaking about like. Real entries, not just saving your resume. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a question. Shout out Chance Bila. Uh, bringing it back to as competition level grows, you know, the demand gets higher. Everyone's stronger, faster, better, whatever. The one semester, would is this, does this help a one semester push all these medical forfeits? Well, I don't understand. No. The, the, I don't know. I don't think so. What does that got to do with that? I mean – it's like shorten. It could possibly shorten the season. If okay, you know. so well, if I don't think they have any equivalents because these guys are. I mean, they hit the end of the story. They're tra- they're going to train you around. And actually, I brought that up on the on the watch party of like, and, and I don't know this to be the case for sure, but I know a lot of teams do highly organized training all summer long, whereas yes. that wasn't the case twenty years ago. And honestly, that could be that could be a big reason for the injuries too. Is your your body never gets that time off from full time training. Um, that you know, I don't know for sure, but when I'm thinking about proposed causes, that could definitely be one of them. Well, the counter to that, Ben, is if you look yeah. at the, you looked at the Kozak's article and you saw the the medical forfeits for Big Tens last year, right? It yeah. was Way down. Now there's there could be well, a, a number yeah, of reasons I for th- that. Oh, I got a theory about that. Okay, so the potential theories that in my mind are one. No one was super sure about their allocations if they were going to get in or not because they had a very small resume. So everyone was just like, we need to wrestle this out. But the other counterpoint is these guys had eight, nine matches. And there was less wear and tear, theoretically, on them for matches. And thus, they were able to compete more. That's yeah, my I mean, that, that's definitely possible. I, so I thought that because uh, uh, 
and we didn't have the numbers, but we just both both like we kind of said like, hey, we don't remember this many last year. It's like the seed that since there's a smaller body of work, the matches at the Big Tens actually count more, right? If people were mm-hmm. working more for their seeds, would probably be the the easy counter. Again, I don't know that to be the case for sure, but that's you know like what it seems like. And look, uh, man, that chart is uh, it's kind of damning right there. How much lower the blue year is as compared to the other other uh colors right there yeah but if you just take throw that out the trend line is just going up and to the right for the mm-hmm. for the big 10 whereas the others it's it's not and it's, it's, much it's really lower. minimal yeah. yeah so there's there's something to it um a part of another part of it is like in the big 12 everyone doesn't wrestle everyone right in in duels close it's well, and it, the, the big 12 big it's 10. a lot but no but what i was gonna say is it's a lot closer there's a lot more likely that you've wrestled your competition big 10 does eight conference duels right right mm-hmm. so that that leaves uh five teams you have not wrestled i would say the big 12 does that many um well there's more they have more I can, teams I can just look up. they have more teams they have 12 yeah big 12 big uh big uh, big 12 what? has 12 teams oh they only have 12 and big I guess I'm thinking back. They have twelve. Here. Okay, yeah, maybe so. Yeah, so they do. Mizzou did. Let's see. One. I'll just count real quick. One, two, three. Uh, no, not four. Uh, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. So they wrestled nine of the of the eleven other teams. Yeah, so that's more. It's a higher. Percentage. Okay. Yeah. So we, I mean, we, one of the other things. Sorry. Uh, one of the other things I was thinking about was that um, you know, some of these Big Ten teams. And this is obviously more true last year, so maybe it's going to counter my point. But some of them don't wrestle outside their conference all that much. And so when you only wrestle inside the Big Ten, you kind of have this bubble built around yourself about where you can be seated. You know, because people, obviously, there's a lot of highly ranked guys in that conference as compared to other conferences. True. Very true. Yeah. So um, let's actually talk about the wrestling that did happen because there was yeah, tons let's of do that. it. Uh, so that maybe we'll we'll bounce around back to the interview or to the forfeit stuff, but right now let's talk about the Michigan Wolverines, Team One Hundred, bringing it home back to Ann Arbor. They wrestled out of their minds. Uh, Kozak tweeted the uh, the stat, I believe, that they wrestled at or above seed at every single weight. That's really really good. They um, absolutely competed well. Dang. <laughs> That's nuts, right? Every That's I didn't like actually go through and think about it. Almost but. shocking. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, Shane thinks Shane feels vindicated by this. I he has no idea it, what's it, coming tomorrow. But you realize it's nonsense because we were talking specifically about one tournament and not the Big Tens, right? Yes, and the whole okay. point is, and the whole point of why we were overlooking the con- or you're not overlooking, but just saying, hey, conferences and Big Tens are it reared itself completely here because. Yeah. You look at you look at guys for for Michigan. You look at Willowana Kamamine are two primary examples of guys scoring mm-hmm. major major points at the conferences. And uh it's it's very hard to imagine a scenario where they're scoring comparable points or even close to at the NCAA tournament. And you uh, say I'm run and a you say a scoring point. scenario before tomorrow. I'm gonna, I'm going to just do my math on what I think uh, my teams are going to score. And here's the thing. And of course you would say, "Well, yeah, obviously the conference tournament your your point potential is going to be a lot higher than at NCAAs, but the difference is Penn State's guys are going to be wrestling in a very sim- similar circumstance. Nice. Roman Nickley, Starachi, Brooks, and um, Dean. Well, Berge- are, 
No, I'm throwing. Did I say Bergie? No, no, I'm just okay. Oh yeah, I'm not saying Bergie. I'm saying I'm saying Dean and Kirk. Got it. Yeah. Well, let me say it. (laughs) I'm saying. Sorry, my bad. Penn State's Big Five are going to be wrestling likely in the identical round that they were at the Big Ten Championships. It's hard to see a scenario where Dylan Raguson, he could be top. Maybe he gets. He can place. He He wrestled good. He could place. That's a big difference. He's not going to be third. Actually. I can also see a scenario where Max Dean is not wrestling. Yeah, I, I don't know. A, I champion that. Listen, throw out the Caffey match, and, and I don't know. I, I Listen, Hold I do. On. I just don't think he's that separated but, from the 197 field. So, okay, so on the bigger point on the, the Shane thing, and he, it's because even Michigan winning was shocking. Yeah. And people will speak truly. Where people can really speak their most true form of speech is gambling. JD, tell this man what the lines were when we looked on Saturday morning that we should have betted on. Oh, Michigan to win uh, plus twenty five hundred. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. That means if someone said they thought Michigan was going to win, they sure as shit weren't putting their money on it because that's twenty pays twenty five on your money right there. Shame I mean, didn't. if you actually thought Michigan was going to win, if you even had a little bit of hope that Michigan was in, you would have put some money down because you would have won a whole bunch and no one was. So, because if people don't know how betting works, lines move with the money. So if Mich- money was coming out of Michigan, they would go closer down to even, but it wasn't. They were plus twenty five hundred, and I think like one Ronda Rousey, who is like when she lost to Holly Holm, was like the biggest shocker. She was like a plus, I want to say eleven hundred or twelve hundred. So this was double as shocking as that. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Well, hey, as promised, we got a special guest. Two special guests. There we go. Uh-oh. We got Jordan Burroughs. What's, What's up, guys? JB? Hey, how you doing? What's up? Guys, Rise, can you say hi? No, <laughs> got that mean mug going. <laughs> Jordan, back from Big Tens. You you said you wanted to talk about what happened. We're we're already into it. We talked about the forfeit situation for a little bit, and uh, now we're just diving into the Big Ten tournament. Get, get it started. What's on your mind? Yeah, so I basically this weekend put on my wrestling analyst hat. It's wild because I had only been to the Big Ten Championships one other time in 2016 when in Iowa City, and I was there just from strictly from a fan's perspective. So I sat in the bleachers, didn't really engage with any teams. I didn't sit down on the floor. But this weekend, I got to be like a sideline analyst, right? So I'm getting information from coaches. I'm talking about the medical forfeits, why guys aren't wrestling. Like, I'm genuinely – curious as to why guys aren't wrestling so i'm like asking so i can report back to studio like hey sebastian Rivera is not wrestling you know uh tony cassiope's not wrestling so i'm asking their coaches like why is that and a few of them had legitimate concerns a lot of them were though not <laughs> legitimate concerns i i guess it de- depends on your perspective i thought about it a lot um and i i, I saw a message from or actually a tweet from from uh thomas gilman yesterday and he was asking about it because you know he's been a, a big proponent of guys not forfeiting anywhere not at the big 10 mm-hmm. tournament not the ncaa tournament but even the world team trials u.s open <laughs> backside guys that have no shot at potentially making national team he's like listen you wrestle at all times if you have the ability then you should wrestle and so there are a couple of things that I, th- I thought about particularly that kind of had made this look bad this weekend one was this was supposed to be the biggest session of the weekend Right. So you got the final session where a lot of people didn't even come to watch on Saturday. They were going to wait till Sunday afternoon to come specifically. And this was going to be the highly broadcasted and highlighted um, events and, and venue, or excuse me, and, uh, and round of this tournament. And we just kind of missed out on that. Number one is typically like if you think about in comparison to the U.S. Open, 
or the trials um, to contrast with the Big Tens. You have to weigh in as an athlete. You've got to weigh in on day two in order to, to qualify for the NCAA tournament. Where at the trials, if you don't want to wrestle second day, you just don't weigh in. Right. So you the, the brackets already changed up before the day began. So, you know exactly who's going to compete, mm-hmm. and who's not. The PA announcer at Pinnacle Bank had no idea who was even wrestling. So the unfortunate thing was mm-hmm. a lot of times when guys were announced. No one in the crowd even knew that they weren't competing. So we're all excited. Like, OK, for University of Iowa, Tony Cassiope, then all of a sudden no one shows up. Right. So I think that was just really weird. The optics were bad because you had empty mats going in a championship round, you had empty mats and you never knew who was going to come out. You know, sometimes mat three is in play. Sometimes two and one are in play. Only a few weight classes did you have everyone in play. So I thought that was really weird. Um, and then who forfeits for gold? Like who forfeits in a gold medal match? That's wild to me. Remember back in, uh, I think it was 2019, Yasardo Goo finals when uh, Frank Chimiso for- yeah. forfeited really weird everyone was like why are you ducking this guy he's like well i'm not feeling good I already secured the number one seed for you know for the world championships and i really don't want to have to wrestle this guy that I've wrestled four times previously and the crazy thing we didn't even end up wrestling at the world championships that year so i think people are saving face for seating purposes but i think you should be penalized for it mm-hmm. a medical to me in my estimation is still a loss part of being successful and being great at this sport is being healthy and so if you can't go regardless of what's going on, there's no sort of level of protection. It's almost like Big Tens have just become an NCAA qualifier. And they're not at all important to anyone anymore. They're like, yeah, you know what? Our seed's secured. I don't want to risk it. I might have to wrestle this guy two weeks from now in a big-time matchup. I would prefer to wrestle him for the first time there. So no point in sacrificing my seed, uh, compromising my confidence, and uh, running the risk of being re-injured. So I'm just going to go ahead and take this one off. Most of those guys weren't injured. If they are, how can you be injured and then go and wrestle at your highest level 10 days later? Like, it's it's not possible. Um, yeah. And so those are just kind of my thoughts. I'm not an injury default guy. You know, I'm, I'm going to wrestle. Even when I tore my LCL, PCL back in 2010, like I wrestled throughout the entirety of the match and I tore my knee up in the first period. I still tried to win. You know, I think there's a certain level of uh, protection of, of body and self-preservation that exists. I get it. You know, NCAA tournament is important. But – with all those things being said, there's a certain level of integrity that I think we compromise this weekend from the fans' perspective. And then I think also it sets a bad precedent because most guys are just looking at this like, if it doesn't really matter, then this is something that will be recurring every single year. Yeah. So, so it's kind of my a qualifying thoughts. tournament. Yeah. And, no and longer a I conference. Th- I think one of the. Well, I mean, so I don't know, JB, if you saw that. This, this is really fascinating. It's not Big Ten. It's not a conference tournament. It's a qualifier. Yeah, but did you see? I mean, this is really interesting. Did you see the article that we put out? Kozak just put it out. There was only three. There was only three forfeits in all of the Big Twelve compared to twenty-eight in the Big Ten. So we were actually talking about how it's kind of a Big Ten problem, not really a qualifier problem. Yeah, really well, you know what? We have so many automatic allocations, you know, that you really don't have to scrap for those spots as much as well, you did. But you, you know what was beautiful too, though, is I think the team race influenced the forfeits too because. Michigan and Penn State, they didn't have any forfeits in that final round. They had right, no yeah. medical forfeits. All their guys wrestled. They all competed. So you got the two best teams in the entire Big Ten, and they're all wrestling. I'm sure they're banged up. Some of them are hurt. They don't feel good. Some of them have COVID, have had time away. But all the teams that weren't in the team race were like, man, it doesn't really matter. 
even a team like Iowa, which is surprising because going into the final day, like they were still in contention for a team title. But once they realized they were out of it, you know, they started forfeiting. So, you know, I think there are a lot of things at play here. And uh, but the beauty was the two best teams or the two top teams that were in title contention were like, no, nah, we, don't, we don't subscribe to that. We're still going to rock and roll. Think about this, too. Um, one thing that artificially, maybe artificially, ma- made the team race a lot closer was the fact that Penn State had a couple key forfeit points. They had um, Ironman forfeiting to Lee. So that's pin points and win. And then you had Kimmer forfeiting to Starachi. Those are those were going to be two very yeah. competitive matches. Those were overtime. Mitch's uh, did get Seabass forfeit, though. That's true. But they still got two uh, major. Yeah. Penn State got six points in what we would consider probably like slightly above toss-up matches that they were even going to win in the first place, right? If you look at the Ironman-Lee match, that was overtime. You look at Kimmer Starachi, that was uh, one of the more controversial matches of the year. So it really did – it influenced the team race – pretty strongly in that way and one, one of the sad things about it uh, about just all the forfeits and just the view uh, how how teams approach the sport is this this dynamic of march is all that matters march is all that, it's not even march anymore now it's not even march is all that matters it's just like three days in march <laughs> you so know what shrunk. they meant by march you know what they meant come well, on they've man shrunk, they've <laughs> shrunk the the relevant <laughs> aspect of the season to three days well, that's we were talking about the month itself i think they were talking about the ncaa tournament I know, yeah. but you would at least Come say on. you would at least be like, okay, so they're referring to postseason, but no, it's just NCAs. We have a all three right. day season. Not hey, good. let's Is talk this... about matches because if we, we all we all solve this. If they just count them as losses, then we're good to go. I think we all agree on that, right? Everyone yeah. agrees. Yeah. Else, does anyone agree that you should get kicked out of the NCAAs completely if you, oh. if you medically forfeit? No. Uh, okay. <laughs> No, hold on. I agree. It's a little good. Honestly, I wouldn't hate though, and I I would be an advocate. I would kind of love to see it if there was a 32-man bracket, four qualifiers, uh, move the teams wherever you need to move them, eight eight qualifiers per bracket, go. I wouldn't hate it. Yeah. I don't know. I might hate it. Uh, I just think that you make it difficult to to seed the NCAA tournament now. So for whoever sees, I don't know what room – and what people are in this room, but you make it really difficult to see it. If you got a guy like Seabass that forfeited out, now he finishes sixth at his conference tournament, but he's undefeated. How is that even possible? You're undefeated for the season, but you're sixth in your conference tournament, and you haven't wrestled Jaden Ironman or Nick Lee, who are you know two of the top three guys in the nation. Like, how is that possible? Like, how do you get through an NCAA season, a Big Ten dual season, and a conference tournament without wrestling the two top guys in your conference? And then somehow managed to be undefeated and going into this tournament. So now when, you know, when they're sitting in this tournament, all the advocates from the Rutgers side are like, no, this guy deserves to be top two, top three seed. It was like, well, how? He hasn't wrestled anyone. So I, I think that's the difficulty now is like you put the onus on, you know, all of the seeders at, for the NCAA tournament to, to create a fair and just um, you know, schedule, but also if you put these guys low, now all of a sudden they're wrestling high seeds early and then they're screwed. So it, it kind of throws the whole thing off because you know you have to force the hand of whoever's doing the seeding because you're like Sebastian Rivera, he was six at his conference tournament. He should probably be like a 12 seed. Impossible because now he's wrestling a, a high seed early on and clearly he, he doesn't deserve to be that low. So now that third or fourth seed, whoever that he has to wrestle and compete against in the quarterfinals now is getting screwed because this guy – 
didn't finish this tournament. So, you know, I'm not trying to pick on S Sebastian uh, specifically, but I think this whole thing just throws a lot of stuff into a whirlwind. Yeah, uh, completely agree. Okay, what well, you want to start at 25 and work our way up, or how do we want to tackle this? Let's do it. So the yeah, real the story at 25 is is Nick Soriano looks like a national champ that many Nikki of us, headgear. Nikki Nikki cornrows, Nikki Nikki Dake shades, uh, Nikki Nikki Super Wolverine star. got it done. He looked absolutely head and shoulders Great. above, better than everyone. Um, uh, Jordan, what were your thoughts on on Nick? I thought it, you know honestly, I think the story of the weekend happened outside of the Big Ten. You know, yes. it was Vito's complete dismantling of, oh, you know, glory. I think that that kind of changed the dynamics because no, regardless of what Nick did, I think we were all kind of looking at Nick like, okay, Nick looks good. 125 is kind of weak in the Big Ten. But once we heard the news coming out of the EIWA, instantly we all morphed to like, oh, shoot. No matter how good Nick looks, we didn't know he's going to have a match for himself against Vito at the NCAA tournament. So, I, I mean, Nick's Nick's Nick. He's always going to be focused. He's dialed in. He's got like this very – calm zen-like state that he competes with i thought that you know the way that i saw him wrestle this weekend was impressive because he's not really a shooter right he moves and shakes a lot he fakes but he's very difficult to get to so most of his best matchups are the matchups in which he's difficult to score on but he's also not scoring a lot you know some of his yeah. uh his uh ncaa tournament against you know dayton fix which is it's interesting because i was thinking about that this weekend we see a lot of weight class shifts. We see a guy like Sebastian Rivera up at 41, a guy like Steven Stefan Mitchich at 41, but also seeing Nick Siriano down at 25 is wild. Like how many people have we seen win a national title and then go down a weight class to go and compete at a lower weight? I thought that was interesting, but he looks good. He looks fit. He looks strong. He looks focused. I think uh, that's going to be a big time matchup at NCAAs. I'm excited to see it. Vito's yeah. a guy that's been a thorn in his side in the past. He beat him at Fort Worth a couple years ago. Um, I, I, I view Nick is like a Dude, mistake Vito, wrestler. Vito if you make was a mistake, drilling. yeah, he was drilling on Glory, and that's been it my whole so thing good. with with. You watch the first Glory Vito match. It was like, I, and I said this after I saw it. I was like, man, very sloppy, very sloppy. And I thought yes. about sloppy wrestling. That is a recipe for success for Nick Soriano because he's he's not going to beat himself. You're gonna you cross your feet. You make a mistake. You yeah. you. He's going to pounce on you, and you're going to have a hard time getting to him. I think this yeah. weight sets up great for Soriano. All respect for Vito. They're the two well, best. Hold on, hold, on, hold on. Hold on here. Vito looked like crap because he's obviously cutting a lot of weight, but he's going to wrestle Nick on Saturday night. So he ain't going to look like crap. Well, I don't he's going to be fresh, feeling good. Certainly he'll be feeling good. Nick's going to be feeling good too, though. Uh, That's he, true. It's a That's big cover him. I didn't. I didn't watch the mistakes in the in their previous match and think, oh, this is these tactics are are related to a weight cut. I just thought it was just. Oh, I I feel like that, certainly. You thought so? Uh, yeah. Okay. Vito, oh, so much different. Trained. So much different. I'll yeah. take it. And that was, take it from, was that a one hour weigh in? Yes. That was a one yes. hour weigh in. Yeah. He's a different man. He's going to be now, weighing in at eight nine a.m. and not wrestling to eight yeah. p.m. Oh, boy. That's a 12 hour yeah. recovery no, process. He's going to be 140 pounds by then. Easy. Easy. Yeah. It's going to be a fire, yeah, it, fire one. And if, if you, I mean, watch, watch that EIW finals again and just look how crisp and smooth and fresh he looks. And you're like, wow, this guy, he looks so good. And it's obviously, uh, man, obviously the poor performance prior to me was weight cut related for sure. Okay. Mm -hmm. Then we got 33. Uh, 
Roman Bravo Young takes out Austin DeSanto. It feels like every match looks basically with the danger the call with, these guys. with the danger zone, which Caleb did, Piles did not know about. <laughs> he was uh, up in arms at this call. I didn't really? explain him neutral. To- <laughs> I was, uh, I've explained it to him before, but he forgot it. Um, he's like, "That's not two. I was like, "Yeah, it is." Um, it's very impressive to hold him there. I could, yeah. Yeah. What, what were your thoughts well, on that exchange? Well, when you get there, there's nowhere else to go because obviously you, you can bail, but then you're giving up the takedown. So where else are you going to go? And I think it comes back to the same exact thing we talked about after their last matches. DeSanto's only offering a single to his left side, and he can't finish it. So why does he keep shooting it? Freaking do something else. It's driving me crazy. I don't think he's trying, man. That's the thing. Like, he's not trying. His his game plan is instead of banging – like, look look at the way he approaches this match. And he it, there was a shift. There was like a stark shift in his wrestling, if you watch this weekend, from from the way he wrestled in the quarterfinals to the way he wrestled Lucas Bird in the semis. You could tell, like, he starts to dial back. When he knows he's wrestling someone that has good skills, particularly a guy with a slide-by, which Bird has and which um, RBY has, he doesn't really use that collar ties effectively. They kind of keep him at bay, so he's really tentative with his hands. But then also, like, how many times was he on – Roman Bravo's legs in the duel. How many times was he on it this weekend? I really think his strategy is shoot a whole bunch and get him hit for stalling. Like he's fishing hard for that stall call, but not with his hands and with his pace and pressure, only with his shots. But I think the refs aren't going to give him that stall because he never really tries to finish. There was one time where he was out to the side. He had head position. He had shoulder deep, arms wrapped around the leg. All he had to do was shelf, and he just kind of stayed there. Like, it's almost like he's like, if I try to even stand up with this leg, he's diving between my legs, I'm going to lose him, and I'm yeah. potentially going to give up this takedown. So the refs are probably I looking mean, well, at it like, you know, they're they're looking at it like, okay, well, he's not really trying to finish, so RBY is not stalling. RBY is not backing up. He's still controlling the center. And RBY, I think, actually wanted him on, on his leg because he's wasting 10, yeah. 15 seconds a clip. He's real calm. He's relaxed in there. He's like, he's not going to try to finish. I can hang out here in this key lock position all day. So I think it's a terrible oh. strategy. He, he's got to wrestle with some more confidence from the from the single leg. Yes, but do you, I mean, obviously you, so it's been five matches now and DeSanto has not finished that shot in the last five matches. Now, not even one takedown. And so I don't know if you've ever wrestled someone like this and I'm sure you could probably think of somewhere where you wrestle them the first time, you're like, well, that strategy ain't going to work. That's not good. I need to change my strategy. And so DeSanto's had five shots at this. And he keeps shooting the same shot, and it's so evident he's not going to finish it. And it's like, okay, how about we get it there? Now, now, obviously, it's too short a time. We got two weeks. He ain't going to develop anything in two weeks. But maybe like last summer, maybe shoot a single to the other side. Maybe it's an arm drag. Maybe it's a snap down. Maybe there's something else you try to do besides the same left side single. Personal. I think, I think he needs to do less shooting and more pressure. Like, yeah, because he's that, he, yeah, that's he what has, I said last time. He's doing a bulk of the work. But he's just not getting rewarded for it. Shoot, shooting in on the mm-hmm. legs actually wasting time for him. It's to end, and he's yeah. not really getting to the places that he's going to make RBY look bad. He's actually, you know, slowing the match down. Yeah, I wonder. You know, he was able to get to that high crotch in the duel and doubled off. Why is he not able to get back to that? Do you guys have a technical that, analysis yeah. of that? No, that's not a bad idea. It, it, but he, he, he like he went to that that one time. And he never really goes to it. Like. Barely That's, ever again. Yeah. Ever. Yeah, it's weird. I don't know if Roman know takes it away it. or or what, but I think like RBY though is like it's almost like when I used to wrestle Andrew Howe. Right. It's like you just have to weather the storm. You know what this guy's gonna bring, but you know you're a better athlete. 
And you know you're a better wrestler when the fur gets to flying, but you know if you if the fur gets to flying, you're going to get extremely tired, really fatigued. So he's just being very tactical, only doing enough to to get the job done. He knows that when he really wants to fire one off and get a takedown, he can go get it. He always does it. He always does it late. He can. He knows he can ride him if he really needs to. DeSanto's done a good job getting out from bottom though. Um, but I, I just think don't think RBY is really worried. He he wants to it like DeSanto needs one takedown. If he can get one takedown in the first, no, period, but six matches, six matches since he got a takedown. Completely different matchup if he gets a takedown, but he he can't get a takedown. So I I don't really know. It's, it's going to look the same every time. It's going to be real close. Both yep. guys are going to get in escape, and then RBY is going to get a takedown late, and then it's a wrap. Yeah. Three to one. So the real one, though, right now is is Dayton looked amazing at Big 12s. He's looked amazing all year. Uh, I'm pumped for Dayton and RBY because I, I I don't think there's any other option for the finals besides those two. Dayton will have to go through Austin one more time to make the finals. Roman should be the one by being returning champ. Yeah. Yes. What about the Michael McGee from Arizona State. What do you guys think about him? Roman already kind of picked him apart. He, he could get yeah. the three, uh, four. Three. He'll probably get the four. No, he could get no, the three. Over to Santo? No, he has really? a, he had a. He lost to Joe Greenwood. He cannot. If yeah, I will, he's, I will he's going protest. four or five. I will storm City Hall oh, if, he ah. gets the, if he gets the if he gets the three over DeSanto with My a friend. Group. Daniel Lobdell yeah. says the Matrix yeah. spits him out ahead of DeSanto. All right. Well, I I will still protest. Okay. Well, yeah. 33 is fun. It's always interesting with DeSanto in the mix. 41, we did not have a final or a semi. Ooh. It looked like an IBJJF tournament. These these forfeits what? and the semis and the finals. Very sad. Well, hey, the story of 41, though, is Chad Red's usually money in March, and he, he doesn't even place. What oh, the see, heck? Wild. You talk about the wrong March, bro. <laughs> it's, it's, not, <laughs> it's the NCAA tournament. He's, yeah, he's yeah. He'll be on. He, he didn't have a great performance this weekend. For yeah. sure. Um, the, really, what it feels like the story is was a, a huge story. I mean, it looked like he was going to go two and out and not qualify. He was very nearly mm-hmm. Bertoni'd in, the, in his first wrestle back. So he lost Bertone. his first match. <laughs> and then the 14 seed Bertoni got like a takedown or two on him. And then Stefan had to really yeah. dig deep in. You know, it kind of glossed over. Mm-hmm. Hildebrand went 0-2 because Patrick McGee just – Cannot lose on the backside. Yeah. Yeah, that was nonsense. Let's talk about that. Patrick McKee looked like crap his first match against Dylan Shaver. I mean, he looked really, he got ridden for, he got instant death. He got ridden for four and a half minutes. Four minutes, minutes it was pathetic. Yeah. And then he just beats everyone on the backside. Like, what are you doing? And he had the wow. he had the tough path because he, he went through Drew yes. and Drake Ayala, who yes. once per match, every single time he wrestles McKee, he just <laughs> runs him over and gets like two and two and two. or um, Yes. Yeah, not for real. So Drake is now 0 and 4 against him. Yeah, you're right. That was the story. Um, not a ton to talk about in 41, to, to be honest with you, other than Stevon getting tough and, and wrestling back. But you, just watching him, it's hard to predict many points at all at NCAs from, from Stevon. Yes. He looks so I, I, limited I right now. Yeah, yeah. He looks small, but I, I was impressed mm-hmm. too. I was actually impressed by the uh, the kid Bergeland. Bergeland? Bergeland? Bergeland. Bergeland, <laughs> Bergeland. He uh, he actually had he had a solid tournament too. Yes, if I, I thought I thought the same thing when I watched him wrestle his first match. I was Matt side for his first match against uh, the uh, was it Wisconsin kid that he lost to right away? No, no. Uh, was it Rooks? Maybe it was Phileas of Purdue. Phileas, Purdue, yes, that, that's who it was. Phileas, Phileas did a good job. 
He's good. Purdue's got a tough. There, I tell you what, there were a couple teams there this weekend that I thought had really understated performances that were tough. One was Northwestern. I thought Northwestern did a yeah, really good job. Their butt off. I think they qualified yeah. nine. Gosh. I thought, uh, I thought uh, Purdue yeah. had a solid kind of understated tournament. Their guys are always tough. Um, and the one that didn't which, was Yaya. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Jeez. You see when uh, after uh, Store beat Yaya when he, he waved at him? At, did you see that? Yeah, I did. No. That was messed up. I don't think that's <laughs> the move. I don't think that's the move. The second uh, loss, so he didn't out of the tournament. So as soon as he got – he held them off for the late takedown so he could win the match. Store just waved out of my bye bye. Like, yeah. see ya. That's cold. I didn't, I was like, man, bro, this is like early. It's cold. It's I was like, like but I was even more like, dang, because he, he lost his first match. So I'm like, bro, you waving something. <laughs> I know. You're one of that was my but, thing. It's like, it's a first round wrestle or second round wrestle back. Like, you you lost early on. I, yeah, I didn't think I was. Kanan's a nice Sometimes you get pumped up in those first round wrestle backs. I, yeah, I guess yeah, he, so. Kid. I, you know. It's, he's competitive. Everyone's competitive. You do some crazy stuff when you get out there, bro. You want to beat somebody badly. You saw you what I did to Ben. You went, I think oh, about Gomez. <laughs> I yeah, was Gomez. just going to say, Jordan, I mean, I Gomez. don't know how to act in the wrestlebacks because I was never there, but maybe you could give us some input. <laughs> <laughs> I was having this conversation the other day. I never wrestled in the round of 12, but I did wrestle in the wrestlebacks my, my freshman and sophomore year. That's uh, okay. Good time. So you're, Good times. Oh, your but, sophomore year was semis. Semis. Yep. Yeah. Like but I think, yeah, 41, there wasn't really many stories there at 41. Um, but it's it's such a great weight class, though. Um, yeah. We got – I, I want to see these guys wrestle. They have to wrestle at some point. <laughs> that was <laughs> a sad thing. There's all this wonder. It's like, okay, everyone is wondering. Sebastian Rivera has been kicking everyone's teeth in all year long. How does he stack up against Jaden and Nick Lee? We it. still don't know. We're not sure. I I really thought the way he looked going into the semi, I was like, I think he might beat Jaden. Uh, and then it didn't didn't wrestle. So then let me ask you this. Have you ever was there ever someone that you wrestled uh, at the conference tournament and then had to wrestle again? At the NCA tournament, and the Me? match was, yeah, you. Pendles. Oh yeah, yeah. Wes <laughs> Roberts, freaking Wes oh. Roberts. I could never. And Chris, he, I, and Chris, and Chris Pendleton. But, yeah. But but was the match ever closer at the NCA tournament than it was at the conference tournament because you got a better feel for him? Like like, did you adjust, make adjustments between the two that where Chris would have been better off not wrestling you? Uh, so Chris Noakes that my only win ever was at big 12s my freshman year. Um, but so I wrestled EK Waldhouse. I actually cradled him at national. So then, then he had to open up and I beat him like 19, five, but West, my junior year, I only had four non bonuses and three were to effing West Roberts. And I couldn't figure out how to whoop this dude, even though he was no good. It was so frustrating. <laughs> I couldn't beat him. I, I beat him by, by two, three, uh, two, four and three. And he stunk. And it was so frustrating. I don't know. He sounds pretty awesome. What I'm, what I'm saying is wrestling someone at a conference tournament, is that a dangerous proposition to give a feel to someone potentially two weeks before you may have to compete against them where it really well, matters? But you got to think in, in total, it's a, it's a zero-sum game, right? Because either it benefits you or it benefits me or it benefits neither of us. And so I always thought the more feels I get, the better because I'm, I, I, I'm intellectually superior to you. 
Um, not you, obviously, just the, the whoever my opponent is. And I'm going to figure you out, right? The more chances I get, I'm going to figure you out. And that was kind of how I thought about it. I think it's probably a healthy way to think about it. Yeah, my I, the oh, you there, Jordan? Yeah, you got oh. it. So one one thing I was I'm thinking about as a not good wrestler, but but <laughs> if you wrestle someone and you give one tap, use one tactic, it would not make sense to use to be, go into the next match and be like, I'm going to do the exact same thing in the exact same way. Obviously, you would think there'd be an evolution, or you would at least be thinking about, okay, I beat him this way this time. Um, the, these are the things he could potentially do to counter that thing yeah. and just be aware of that and take that into the next match. So honestly, if you're doing it to not give a guy a feel or whatever, and again, from a bad wrestler, but it's like kind of like you don't have confidence in yourself that you could replicate or do it again or evolve, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, 149. Man, the st- I mean, Gomez. there were a couple stories of the, of the Big Ten tournament, but Austin Gomez was the story for me from an individual perspective because what he did to Ridge Lovett was just like there was an earthquake in the in Pinnacle Bank. Too soon. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry. Um, and then and then for how he beat Sammy and just came at him like, like a crazy person, double underhooks, then he tries a mixer, gives up two, you're like, what are you doing, Austin? And then he really picked him apart. I mean, did he have three takedowns? No real problems on the finishes. It, it it said to me this guy's a potential finalist. And I wasn't I wasn't ready yeah. to put anyone past Sammy. And now I'm like, okay, well obviously Austin is. Yeah, he must be powerful in there because he you know, Sammy was in one of Sammy's really good positions uh on one of those leg attacks and he was still able to finish. So that was that was the impressive part to me. Cause I think on the first takedown he kind of got a clean. On the second one, you know, Sammy's so good in like that Shirella type position and Gomez was still able to get through him for the finish. So that was like wow, that was pretty impressive. Yeah, he was my MVP of the weekend too. I thought he looked really good throughout the tournament. You know, I've watched him wrestle and he's always been a guy that is able to do big stuff on the biggest stages. He he wants to wow the crowd. And so when he did that in the semifinals, it didn't really surprise me. I was upset about it because I'm a, a Husker through and through, but I was like, damn, that's big time stuff right there. But in the final, when he went for that front head right away, I'm like, eh, you can't do that all the time. You got to be a little bit more methodical. You got to have a little bit more mad awareness and a higher intelligence than that. But then from that point on, he was like, okay, this is not going to work. I tried to go double unders, get big early, tried to go to the cement mixer, didn't work. Now let me kind of scale back a little bit and really have a workmanlike performance. And I, I thought from that point on, like he just walked him down, stayed forward, controlled the center. Like Ben said, he got to a couple positions. One time he was deep in on a high crotch where Sammy was in his cradle position, his best position, where most guys would bail there. And he just operated with confidence. He shelved the leg. He stayed real patient, shook him off, and eventually got the two. I was like, damn. And then even late, like he never retreated. He wasn't running. He, he didn't, Sammy didn't have to chase him. He planted himself in the center and just did a really good job with his hands and, and his footwork. I was impressed. I thought he looked really good. Again, 149 is controlled by one man only. And so if you're going to be a national champion, you have to go yeah. through Yanni Diakamahalis. I don't know if I can see any of those guys beating him, especially because Yanni's beaten them all this season. Um, but I do think that that Austin Gomez was a very had a very impressive performance, and yeah. he's a guy I could see being the finals. I, how will the seed shake out at forty nine? Is he a two seed now, Gomez? I think Tariq will be nah, the two. Tariq's the two. It's going to be well, interesting. It'll be interesting because 
Gomez is so great, but he's got a- fireworks. That would be a great match. Holy cow. I want to, someone's getting thrown on their head. Maybe both of them a whole bunch of times. It's going to be a, a high scoring affair. I hope. Yeah. I, I, I feel the same way about a Gomez Wilson match. Um, but the other thing is that there could be a fly in the ointment for Austin is he's got this Josh Heil loss, which is sort of an outlier for the rest of his season. But one thing yeah. with, uh, I, I don't think that's going to be enough to show well, him. Who could you four. put over him for four? Or, sorry, for, like, who could you put in the three spot? Um, Milner, who's beaten high multiple times now this season. Yeah. How, many, Milner, how many losses does Milner have? Uh, not many. Hold on. Pull it up here. Arco, maybe? Does he got the Parko yeah, loss? Yeah, he's got he's got the one to Parko, which was at the first tournament of the That's year. It. Yeah. yeah. He got, I th- it was defensive fall. I think that'll be enough for, for Austin to be the three. So we should get a Wilson Gomez semi yeah. if, if seeds hold and if seeds are correct, which they would I mean Gomez has had a tough schedule. He's beaten Ridge, he's beaten uh uh a lot of the yeah. tougher guys. So I, I think he'll be the guy. One thing that's so impressive about Gomez is and one thing you look for is like how many different ways can you win a match, right? And I think he mm-hmm. he has multiple ways he can win he's not a great mat wrestler but he can get off the bottom he can generate leg attacks his re-attacks are you know going into this Good. i would say it's probably his best attribute other than his upper body stuff and he didn't really need re-attacks he was just able to generate um so he's he's going to be a nightmare matchup in in detroit for sure mm-hmm. okay Good. we're we're making our way we're headed up to 157 where we saw Ryan Deacon take care of business in the final. The story here, really, more so than Deacon. Boring weight. Yeah, boring weight. Uh, the the biggest story is the ten seed coach of the year, Brady Berge. <laughs> I'm saying oh, this guy is, is what a what a performance. He beats Caleb Young twice. He takes third. He looks like a a top six ish potential guy. Um, Luan beats Berge to make the finals, and then loses to Deacon in pretty predictable fashion. Um, any other thought takeaways from this this weight? No, I think we skipped this one. Uh, oh, can can Deacon oh, I, be Carr? Yeah, that's a match. Teamers are there with these dudes too. Teamers going to be competitive with these guys. Yeah, what do you think, Jordan? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple guys at this weight class that, I mean, if you if you go back and watch the semifinal between Peyton Rob and Ryan Deacon, like it was relatively close toward the end. Um, you know. The one thing is Deacon is his his really he's really steady with a single leg. You know, he's gonna fire off a very similar attack often. He's not the best athlete, but he's huge at the weight. He's big, he's strong, and his conditioning is relatively solid. He can ride on top, which is the X factor. But there are a couple of guys around the country. One is is David Carr. I think I, I watched the Big Twelve finals. I think he's on like a fifty-four match win streak or something crazy. Yeah. And he's mm-hmm. every single time he wrestles. He can attack from a variety of positions. He's got an extensive arsenal, and he just he loves the sport. You know, he's one of the few guys that you can tell that he's just he has a joyful attitude when he's out there competing. But then I even think of a guy like like Quincy Monday coming out of Princeton. Like he's disruptive. He's a guy that can go out there sting someone, and he's got really good reattacks and counter offense. He's someone that I could see kind of disrupting this bracket. But you know, I think ultimately, you know, what scares me is you know Deacon is very, very. I, I say this respectfully, but he's very robotic in his movements, right? So when you watch when he wrestled a guy like Del Vecchio last year where, you know, he was kind of on fire. He got on top, went to the crab ride position and was able to elevate for the pin to that high half. That is someone that if you're going to beat Deacon, you're going to have to throw something kind of 
you know, it, it just a, a little bit of a different perspective. You're not just going to beat him power for power. You're not just going to outquick him and, and, and beat him with speed. You're going to have to do something elusive um, to beat him. So, but I think David Carr is kind of the standard of the weight. I think he's the guy at 57. Yeah, I, I agree with you about, I just think Carr has the elusivity to avoid elusivity. Some of the, I don't even that's know if that's a word. word. I could have made it up. I may have made it up. It's okay. I make up words sometimes. Okay. But um, to not only that, but I think he's got the speed to get to his legs and finish on, on Deacon. So he's still he's still my pick. Deacon can absolutely win, but man, uh, he was he was the best guy last year. It seemed like, and then he didn't get it done. And Carr has just been so good ever since. It would have been really nice to see Monday versus Josh Humphreys. That pin on Josh Humphreys was nonsense. I don't know if you guys saw it. Uh, it was bad. We were talking about it Saturday. It was I Sunday. It it. Was, I love fast pins. I love fast pins. This was too bad. It was too fast. It was not so good. Funny. He like rolled across. You got to watch. He like rolled across his back. Not good. He was on top. It was like a non-controlled yeah. pin. Um, yeah. I get that's if you ever hear me talk about the tournament I I got kicked out of when I was coaching. It was an exact situation like that. A pin got sure. caught at the freaking Glenvar Highlander Invitational. Don't I got get, don't get high, don't get put there. I know. I, I was an I was oh, a, I was an idiot, which I still am. But you know what too like, and, and I don't I don't think this is relatively a hot take, but after watching the rest, of the college wrestling is not the best style of wrestling. After watching for an entire weekend, like it was kind of like when I went and I watched the Olympics that this summer when I did the commentary. Like I watched more Greco women's freestyle, men's freestyle matches than I ever had in a single week. And I watched a ton of matches this weekend. Folk style is not the best style. College wrestling are not that they're not the best athletes. They're not the most technical technically skilled. They're not that they don't have the highest savviness, the highest mad IQ. But it's it's the teams, it's the fans, it's the allegiance and the alliance with these programs and with these coaches that makes college wrestling the best. Like the arena was so loud, and there, there were a few times where the, the matchups weren't even great, and the takedown to win it wasn't even amazing or phenomenal. But it was the crowd, it was the energy, the electricity in the arena that made you excited. Like I felt myself getting excited, and it was a seven versus a nine seed. Like so. The wrestling itself isn't what makes college wrestling great. I know a lot of people will defend folk style until they're blue in the face, but it's not the ruling. It's not. It's not the rules. It's not the. It's the viewership. It's the people at home. You know, I think about it from the NFL perspective. If you're a Buffalo Bills fan, you're a Buffalo Bills fan. Ten years from now, we're gonna have a new quarterback, new running back, new wide receiver, and a new head coach. But I'm still gonna be a Bills fan regardless of who comes through that organization. And I think it's the same with college wrestling. So people are rooting for the programs and not for the individuals. And the wrestling itself is not better. There were so many positions. Wait, that, so, but hold on. I, not, not better than what? Because obviously you're talking about senior level, senior level freestyle. Mid, you're saying senior level, level freestyle is the best style. It's, it, has the, the best the most, it has the most efficient ruling, like where it's, it's more easiest to understand. Where like there were a lot of times where I was watching this weekend where, for example, the out of, out of bounds, there needs to – be okay we all agree out. on that one <laughs> it needs to be a push out because out of bounds is it's become a safety net for the lesser wrestler if you're not good or you're afraid to get scored on you go to the edge and now you say okay let's wrestle so if you're from the yes. t- if you're if you're bottom and you're on the edge and you know if i stand up to my feet to rear standing this guy's going to push me out i'm not going to wrestle here if you're on your feet and you get a guy to the edge and yeah. you know that if i shoot i'm only going to have 
five feet of clearance in order to get a takedown before we go out of bounds, I'm not going to shoot here. If you if you're a guy that is pushing the pace but knows that every time I get to the edge or close to you know the zone that this guy's not going to wrestle or he's now going to start trying to wrestle, you're probably not going to wrestle. So you're not protected by the referees, you're not protected by the mat space. I feel like we lose a lot of our best action and folk style because of the out of bounds ruling. And most guys don't do a lot of wrestling. Top position guys are not riding with the intent to turn. Everyone wants the riding time point, but even when they get the riding time point, they're completely content with just going to the, the rear standing position and holding, and then maybe dropping down to a leg. Okay, four count, now I'm back up to the belly. Drop down to the leg, four count, now I'm back to the belly. Like people, they don't even ride to turn. They ride to, to just make sure that this guy doesn't get back to his feet to have an opportunity to score on him. Yet. So it, we, I saw a lot of matches where guys were just laid out on their belly, a lot of matches that were pretty evenly matched from their feet where there would have been a lot of excitement and action had they been able to get back to their feet, but the top guy spent it playing the game and and – and making sure that he didn't get hit for stalling so he could continue to kind of stay on top. It, it, was, it was just really weird. Like, there were a lot of things where I'm, I, I saw and I'm like, man, if we could really see a lot of action here if we changed just a few of the rules and we made this a more exciting sport. But So I, 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 mean, I agree, I agree with all those points. And I, I don't feel the need to choose Team Folk Style or Team Freestyle. I love them. I think I can love them both. Uh, maybe not equally. I do I do love Folk Style and I do love Freestyle. Um all those rule changes are totally correct. And obviously, if you're comparing senior level freestyle, these are more polished athletes, all of who have continued to wrestle past college, you know? So, like, a more fair comparison would be, say, like, university nationals versus NCAA, right? We're comparing like athletes and their skill sets and their proficiencies. Um, and, and there still are some rules, like in freestyle, for example, the, if I double like you and you chest wrap me. You know, that could go four one way or four the other. And obviously, depending on which country you're wrestling in, you don't know. And that's 80% of a tech fall, a technical fall. You know, so that's kind of crazy also. So I think both rule sets have their deficiencies, but I agree on all your points. We think there should be a push out and we think there should be less top stalling. Yeah. In, in, in time, you there's no – in freestyle, if there's short time on the clock, anything can happen. Push out, yeah. a quick on quick exposure – yeah. If, if there's short time left on the clock in full style, you cannot score. You can't score. Guys are diving between the legs. And even if you're risking exposure, there's a three count. So you need at least three seconds to score a point in full style because you know guy's going to roll between your legs. He's going to have the three-point exposure. Then he's going to roll off his back. And then he's going to go start to restart the count. I think once the count WWE. starts, <laughs> I think once the count starts, you continue from that same count. You can't start back from four every single time. Right? So you're counting to five if you're the top man. And every time you drop down oh, to the leg, yeah. you second. I'm like, well, that makes no sense. They did and not I, make the mandatory. It's just like if they're stalling, freaking call for stalling. They keep dropping down. You know what they're doing. Well, how many, how many guys do you see in the splits or off the edge of the mat kicking out of bounds? I'm just like, that's every time stalling, you kick yes. out of bounds, it, it's, I don't oh. know. That's just, that's just my own personal preference. I want to see the wrestling. I want the defensive guy to fight his way back in bounds to try to keep, keep the sequence going. And I just didn't see a lot of that. I saw a lot of action being stopped early because of the fact that you know potentially you just had all these uh all these rules that these guys learn how to game even in this yeah. short period of time it was it was you're exactly right and watching the big tens i was sitting there with with, with andy and, and tony and we're watching and we're like there were so many zero zero scoreless first periods that we started being like all right this match is coming up what do you think and we're like yeah 
zero zero scoreless first period. No one's going to shoot. And like you could you could set your watch to it. Predictability in in competition is not good. And these matches are so predictable, and they're going to do the drop downs. They're going to not shoot, not try to score. And the edge wrestling is bad. The top wrestling is is hor- a horrible product. And I think it has become gamed up to a point where it's not a great product. And I think freestyle is a more entertaining product for sure. And yeah. I just kind of I didn't see as much of the stall riding in the Big Twelve finals. So we watched all the finals in one day, right? And yeah. sitting there for eight hours. And it, it's like, I was thinking about, we didn't see as much stall riding in the Big 12 finals or really any of the other finals. It was the big, maybe like the medical four, but it's the Big 10 is all gaming each other with this push out because obviously Penn State was guilty of it. Iowa is highly guilty of it. Um, so I don't know if it's it, maybe more of a Big 10 thing. I'm not sure. I think in the Big 12, there was a lot more parity in, in the seedings of the finals matchup. So. So if you if you go look back at the at the Big Ten finals, the lowest seed was a four seed that made it to the finals. Yeah. And then every matchup was one two, right? So the quality of the opponent was a lot higher, and the the margin was a lot smaller sure. as opposed to if yeah. you go to Big Twelve, there were some sevens in there, a couple eights, nines that had kind of snuck in there, and they were wrestling threes and fours. So like it was just a a much different event where I felt like the skill level between the two competitors in the finals was just was just a lot bigger gap between those two. When that's you look fair. at, you think about the it's way more the, fun if we just tell just just Iowa and Paint stays tall and that's it. This is the kind of crazy stuff you guys say if you're going to be a commentator, JB. Only everyone. Iowa and Penn State. <laughs> it, was, it, it was everyone. Everyone was doing. It. Everyone's learned how to how to figure out the system. There are a couple of guys who are good on top. Being good on top is an X factor, though. It's huge. You have to be able to ride. Number one. Number two. You've got to be able to get out from bottom. You cannot get ridden out for an entire period. You can't win if you get ridden out for an entire period. It's impossible impossible and then being able to turn is just i mean that's that's money that's money it's like being in freestyle the guy that gets the turn from the top position and the parterre most often is the guy that's going to go on and get his hand rake so i think that there are a few little cues that i saw that now as i come back to my son and his his teammates and his friends back here in jersey like teaching these guys hey this is what we need to learn this is what's most effective these are what the best guys are doing and this is what is probably not going to work i don't want to learn how to game the system i want to learn to wrestle the entire period from every position and be as good as you can. Yeah. Well, last thing I'll say on it um, is you look at the the two big, most popular sports in America, football and basketball, and what sort of rule changes they have made to implement and make scoring easier. They took hand checking out of basketball. They made defense a lot harder to play. How do you they know the basketball re- rules, Christian? Because I, uh, I like basketball. I, I know the rules. What? The NFL, the NFL, you can't hit the quarterback. You can't check the receivers. It's very limited. It's very pro-offensive rule set. So pro-offensive. they're thinking They're thinking about – that's the difference. They have leadership thinking about the product and knowing that the product is important. And there's no one in NCAA wrestling watching this product and thinking about it that way. And that's the problem. That's why NCAA wrestling is falling – Further behind as far as a product. Uh, well, hold on, hold on. Let's not be dramatic because I'm sure the viewership this year in NCAA wrestling is higher than any time in history. It, wrestling That's is gaining. In spite of. In spite of. Not because That's okay. of. That's fair. That, I, yeah. I, I didn't say that, but I said let's not be dramatic about it. Also, also no. And the, the most watched NCAA. Drama Queen Christian Piles. The most watched NCAA is still 2013. By a long shot. By a uh, lot. No, no, but okay. Yes. No, I'm not I saying. No, but if we talk, uh, that's one, that's a singular event. If we're talking about all of the events over the course of the season, you know it's right now. 
Yeah, for sure. Okay. All right. But Let's think. Dr- hey, how about thinking big? I, I we happy agree, where it's I, at? I agree with you. I just said don't be a dramatic little baby. That's it. I'm not being dramatic. I'm well, saying I'm improve the product. <laughs> That's, I think you're being dramatic right now. All right. Uh, maybe. I'm about to make you apologize on air like Jordan did last time. For what? On. What am I apologizing <laughs> for? For being for? disrespectful. That's part of the game. Okay, <laughs> 74. Um, match of the tournament was Massa uh, Labriola. <laughs> Wait, wait, you skipped, did you oh, I skipped skip 65? 65? I, I skipped Jordan's weight. I'm you sorry. Just... <laughs> uh, and at the wards at 65, right? We got to talk about 65. We go. got to. I'm sorry. Marinelli. Go. We had a good top four. We had an Jordan, upset in the semis. Jordan, why don't you give us your thoughts on 65? I like I like Alex Marinelli a whole lot. Um, he's, a, he's a really good kid. He actually, when they were waiting by the award stand before I presented, him and I got a chance to have a long conversation. He's a good man. <sighs> Good man. Um, and one of the things that I appreciate about him is his openness and willingness to just kind of understand what he doesn't know, but also to operate with humility to even come and ask me questions about performance and, and improvement. Uh, one of the things, though, I noticed for, for Marinelli is I feel like, and this is a couple of Iowa guys now, a, a guy like Caleb Young, a guy like Alex Marinelli, um, a guy like Max Murin, is they use their hand fighting effectively, but they really never open up enough to fire off shots. Like their matches don't have to be as close as they are. Uh, I was telling Marinelli, I'm like, listen, bro, you're beating guys up in the hand fight, but you're not taking any attacks. You're not following it up. So now you got all these close matches. And so in the final at 65, you've got Cam Amin deep in on a leg or an opportunity to score with four or five seconds left for this guy. And I respectfully, this guy is in the same league as you. You're four time Big Ten champion, you're multiple time All American. And so use your hand fight to dominate the ties, control the center, but now free your hands in order to either get to your snap and spin, run a corner, open it up to your high C, using your double leg, all these shots that you have that I've watched you drill, I've watched you hit on lesser opponents, but when you get into a tight match, it's almost like he scales back and dials down on his, on his uh, offensive prowess, and he just kind of is only willing to hand fight, and if there's not a clear opening, then he's not going to shoot. I'm like, bro, you're, there's never going to be like this perfect opening where this guy's so out of position that you're going to be able to fire and blast him off his feet. Maybe that'll come. Probably not against the best guys. These guys are disciplined too, especially a guy like Cam Amin. He keeps good positioning throughout the match. You're going to have to just open him up by taking shots of your own. So, you know, I think he is he's tough at 65. He's going to be a guy that's competitive. It's going to be tough with a guy like Evan Wick, who's, who's rolling right now. He's home. He's back in California. He's doing well. He's tall. He's great for the weight class. And he's got a lot of freestyle experience over the last couple of years. So you can tell he's improved. But I think Marinelli's tough. He's always going to be in every match. And you're never going to dominate Marinelli unless you catch him. But you're not going to take him down more than once or twice in a match. You're not going to ride him from the top position. And he's he's going to be a guy that, that keeps coming for the entire seven minutes. Thoughts on Dean Hamidi's performance. He, he beats Carson Karshla for third. He lost 3-2 to Marinelli in the semis. Is that your guy? Is Car- is uh is Dean Hamidi no. one of your AWA guys? I wish I could claim him, but I cannot at all. He's from Illinois. He's from Illinois. He's in Chicago. Chicago guy. So He's Wisconsin. Great. I just I could assume if there's a good wrestler from Wisconsin that he might be yours, but yeah, unfortunately <laughs> not. Yeah. yeah. No, he's a uh, but. Uh, He's still going to have the Marinelli problem, but I think he's going to end up on the opposite side. So obviously, you're, I, I, I don't know. There's any way to not go Evan one, Keegan two, Marinelli three. Mm-hmm. Um, I think committee beating 
Karchla, he goes four or five would be my guess. And then I think you go Griffith at the other four or five. And then, right, I mean, what do you guys think? And then, and then Karchla goes probably six. And then, I don't know, Ramirez seven maybe or six. No, he lost. I don't, I don't know. know. So anyway, that's what it looks like. Committee's going to always have a hard time with Marinelli, but he may not have to face him with the positive side. That being said, Evan, Evan looks so good in the Pac-12 finals. I mean, he's really wrestling awesome. Yeah, he looks he looks good, man. I uh, I agree. The Hamidi kid was good. Looked good too, though. I was impressed. Everyone kept mentioning him all weekend, and so I'm like, man, let me sit down and like really watch this kid. He can wrestle, as best, particularly as a true freshman. He's huge at the weight class. I think it's his size that kind of gives him confidence, but also like when I say pure wrestler, I'm just thinking about his ability to move and shake and operate with confidence. Like he he can wrestle from pretty much every position. And that was fun to see because most guys that are true freshmen, they're getting bad. They're getting rolled up at the Big Ten tournament. And so he's a guy that, you know, after, you know, Marinelli graduates this season that I see kind of being the heir at the 165 weight class for for the foreseeable future. I think he's going to be tough. Yeah, no doubt. He's been fun to watch all year. He continues to score. Um, It was interesting, the third-place match, uh, he – yeah. Karchla took neutral on him, which is that's a lot of respect for a true freshman, but also concerning. He's so good that, at top. That was the right choice. Yeah, yeah, probably so. But I mean, he well, lost. He got taken down never, after. You never take neutral. You always take bottom. Bottom's a free point. Like, come on, <laughs> right? I think he's joking. I think he's joking. Um, no, but no, you're not serious. You're not. You're not. Ben, if if you're down, wait, if you're are you, down, are you being oh, serious or are you joking? I'm serious. If I've seen too many guys down 1-0 going into the third period, choose neutral and lose because they can't yeah, but get a take. What if you know you suck on bottom and the guy's going to crush you? you Listen, I, yourself- this isn't me. This isn't me. This is me observing other wrestlers. So this is why we talk about top being so important, though. All you, you, you need to offset what it would take for them to get a riding time point by just riding as long as you can. So you need to get an additional 25 seconds from the top position. Sure. Then you kick them. You guys got to get a buck 25 to get you. And you go into the third period, all you need – if you you have – you're forcing yourself to get a takedown to to win. Yeah. At least yeah. go to a position where like, if you start bottom, all you need is a point to send it to OT. If you start neutral, now you're forcing yourself to have to get a takedown in regulation where this guy is going to be playing the game. So give yourself you an opportunity. I don't realize how bad some of these dudes are on bottom. There's Some of them are not good on bottom. That's added emphasis. When, when do – I feel like, I mean, it's yeah, yeah. I get you. It's, it's not, yeah. it's not you, right? And so, I mean, to your point, as a co, as a coach or for yourself, you're like, hey, you need to get better to like so Alex Marinelli, for example. He never gets ridden, right? He can choose bottom every single time, even against Dean Hamidi, and and be very confident. So that's what you want out of your athlete. But some of these dudes, I mean, now in the off season, they should be going working a lot of bottom. But in the moment, you know, like, hey, I stink. I'm probably getting ridden out. I am not going to choose bottom right now. And what I was going to say about Carswell, though, is he was in on a bunch of good shots and just, you know, Hamidi's a pretty good scrambler. But if Karchla, he was in a pretty solid position to finish a couple times and just didn't do it. And then Hamidi kind of gassed him out. You know, he wore yes. on him. I even thought Karchla could maybe a call for stalling in, which would I think the ref didn't want to do it because it would have ended the match. Yeah. And so, so Hamidi got the late takedown. Yeah. Um, yes. So that was that was 65. Moving on up the weight class, 74. Um, I tried to go to it early. Drama in the quarters when Kimmer's shoulder comes out. 
gets popped back in, yeah. and he gets another Ouch. takedown against Ethan Smith. That was gutty. Then he forfeits out of the tournament. That Carter Storacci won pretty dominantly against Logan Massa, who he had a close match oh, with. The, ri- the riding was atrocious on both parties. Very boring. Very boring riding. But what I'll say, Storacci afterwards, Jordan said, I'm the best 174 in the world. I was wondering if you heard him say that. Did I Jordan Bros get to compete at 174 freestyle? Are folks that I, I mean folks I like Carter so much and I like I like his 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 wrestling prowess that you know I didn't really take take it into account much. I think he's a guy that I see at 79 moving forward. You I don't know, think Jordan listen, I know you really well, Jordan. I don't think if you meet up in the semis with him at the US Open this year, you're gonna forget that. You might you might double him a little extra hard. Well, I'm not going to US Open, so he's gonna have to go make his final X to get to me. Our trials, but, whatever. But oh, final X. I, oh, damn. Yeah. Yeah. You, I mean, I'm a competitor, bro. I want to beat everyone that steps out in front of me. But I'm still, I'm still in this transitional state where I'm starting to be more respectful of the young guys and not actually seeing them all as competition. Like, I'm not going to do this much longer, so I'm not looking at guys like hmm, I'm going to have to wrestle him soon. I don't like this kid. More so now, I'm like, damn, this kid's pretty good. I like what I see here. When I'm finished up, I could see this guy being being next in line. Yeah. So with um, do is is there much to discuss it at, at 74 apart from you know Starachi? So he got it Mackay done. beat Mackay beat High Hayden. That's that's important. I don't know how much it's going to shake shake up the seeds though. I'm not sure if it, it's going to. So make what, a where, difference. where where? Tell me what you would go here. So well, Car- maybe, Car- maybe Car- you're right. The one. You go yeah. Massa two, Makai three. Yeah, so I guess it does it does flip him on the different side um, because I yeah. think I think we'll see um, see Hayden as the four potentially, and Kimmer maybe the five. I don't know. I don't know how they're going to see that uh, now that I think about it. Yeah. What'd you say? With Massa that way. What's his seed? I think he should be the He'll two. Be three or two, two or three. It's the same side. His only losses are to are to uh, Starachi, right? Yes. Whereas yeah, Mackay- so he, he should be the two, Makai the three, and then but then so man, Kemmer might get bumped all the way down to the six because then you could easily go Hayden Labriola, then Kemmer. That would be. Do we all do we all agree that seventy four is the deepest weight class in the country. Uh, I, 97, 97, anyone. Well, that's could make a different kind of thing. All the way down. Different kind of deep. Sure. Fair. I, I think elite set. There's just a lot more elite talent at 74. I would say. Um, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I think well, I would probably agree. Very good weight class. Is there any other weight class with, with multiple national champions? In it? Um, uh, well, Dayton RB. No, Dayton has one one yet. Oh my God. No, I don't think there is. No. 57 yeah. AOC and Carr. Oh, yeah. Oh, O'Connor yeah, doesn't look good. A- AOC lost to Ed Scott. Ed Scott. Looks like he's really hurt. Yeah, he did not. He didn't look great for sure. No, definitely not. 74 is going to rule. 84, this was another amazing match. I just didn't, didn't see it coming as the match was materializing um, because Brooks came out so hard, so physical. It looked like he was just going to overwhelm Amin. And then. Yeah, I th- I think this if you're awesome. one eighty, if you're an elite one eighty four, you watch this and you're like, okay, I kind of I can see how this can go if you weather the well, storm. Uh, and elite meaning Hydley, Brooks, Amin, and guys in the top yeah. four. Yes. What what were your thoughts on this match, Jordan? I I <laughs> you know, I gave Miles no shot. I, <laughs> I I love Miles. I love Miles a bunch, but Aaron Brooks had just been 
on fire all season. And he looked great throughout the tournament. He came out guns blazing. And I thought he was just going to overwhelm him with pressure. I was confused a little bit as it got deeper into the match where I'm like, is he getting tired? Because he started standing really wide stance, really flat footed. And I was like, is he tired or is he just kind of comfortable where he knows that now Miles has got to come get him and he feels like he can't. Uh, so I was, I was surprised when he got the takedown late, especially when he got the takedown, I'm like, oh my goodness, he rides him out, he wins. And then when, you know, and then when Brooks kicked out and got out of bounds, I'm like, oh, it's a wrap. He's going to go to overtime. He's going to take him down. Mm-hmm. And then he got him again right away with the very same shot. And then, like, it wasn't even a ton of like resistance or defense from, from Brooks. Yeah. He just kind of like tried to sit corner and he just fell to his butt. And it was just like, damn. So I, I was, yeah. you know, Miles has been around for a long time, bro. He's wrestled some of the best this country has seen. He's wrestled guys like Bo Jordan, Mark Hall, Zahid Valencia. Like he's, and he's an Olympic bronze medalist. Like he's wrestled, he wrestled David Taylor in the Olympics this summer. So when you talk about like just pedigree and being refined in the fire, he's probably got the more experience than anyone in that tournament um, in terms of the depth of the competition that he's competed against throughout his entire career. So you know, I think that we got to put some respect on his name now after this weekend. But I think the kid Parker um, from uh, you and I is going to be a guy that's going to be really difficult to beat too. Because now if you put Parker at the two, let's say you put Brooks at the three or either way, one of those guys, they're interchangeable at two and three. They wrestle in the semifinals now. And when they competed in the duel, you and I versus Penn State, it was only a three-two match. Mm-hmm. So I think you've got to give them a chance and then – I just don't so, know. We'll, we'll see what, what type of Brooks we'll see in two weeks. Is he what, pissed? One thing, thing I commented on, though, was, and I was, it's more of a compliment to Aaron Brooks, despite him losing, was his body language didn't show how tired he was, but like in overtime, you're like, holy man, he took the first shot and you, he like, he got up super slow. You're like, this dude is so freaking tired. But he had us all fooled that he wasn't that tired. So I think. You know, it was great. His body language wasn't showing that, but now you know it's there. So if you're one of those other guys, what's up? What do you recommend? Like, if you're going back into this matchup, say we're national finals two weeks from now, Detroit, do you tell him slow down earlier on, be a little more patient with shot selection, or do you say go for it, overwhelm him, and then deal with the fatigue later? Oh, uh, Aaron or Aaron's opponent? Aaron Brooks, if he's wrestling Miles, because Miles is steady. Yeah, I think he tries to slow it down and get one score because man, he got so tired trying to push him around. But so I think if you're a Parker who's never been able to beat him or a Trent who's never been able to beat him, you look at that and you're like, man, he actually got tired here. Like you couldn't tell because his body language was so good, but he was exhausted. So you try to use that uh, against him because tactically Brooks is super efficient. I mean, barely ever gets taken down. How many takedowns did he give up this year? I think one, and then Amin got him twice in that match in the last 45 seconds. I was crazy. Yeah. I was blown away. I was blown away. Um, and it, it was – I actually missed the final takedown because I was looking away at the uh, the Cochran versus Venn's match happening right next door. And uh-huh. it kind of got chippy. It got chippy late, and Cochran had pushed him, got in his face. And so there was, like, the coaches were on the mat, the referees were on the mat. So I'm, like, looking over there, and all of a sudden – Everyone starts screaming, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, he actually did it. So it, it, was, a, it was a wild time. I missed it. I have to go back in and actually watch that. Uh, Respect to me. That over. Because I picked him. Wow. To win. All right. Hand wow. can confirm. Hand up. Thank you. 
that was you that did? was unreal. It, that was a that was a huge huge match. And yeah, now it feels like 184. Everyone else is gonna have a little boost of confidence because if he goes in and he beats Amin again, everyone's gonna be like, oh, I don't know. Over now. Who knows? This way also had the under the radar performance of the tournament and Zach Bronigal coming back for third, beating Seriously, Romero, Vin, Salazar, and Weiler. Twelve seed. He lost, he lost to Assad. Yeah, Crazy. That was wild. I was that impressed was... with that with the Kyle Cochran kid from Maryland too. Mm-hmm. He's good on top. He got the tournament at all, but he beat some really good guys on the list and made it competitive with some good guys too. He's gonna be a tough out at, at uh, NCAA's. Yeah. Maryland had a pretty strong showing actually at. At Big Ten, so they're well, they're on, they're on their way. Well, well, strong compared to Maryland, but strong, well, that's the only thing they can. They're getting better to right now. They're getting better. Listen, that roster, my gracious, they're getting better. They're He's getting doing better. A good job. They're getting better, yeah. no doubt. Okay, um, let's quick let's quickly run through ninety seven and heavy because we're we're. Yeah, cause at, I got a piece so bad, time. and we're overtime. Yeah, a little OT, <laughs> but um, ninety seven. Hey. Dean gets it done. Yes. Uh, sort of. I felt like Schultz was never really in that match. Did, what do you yeah. think, Jordan? Agreed. I mean, he just didn't have enough courage. He needed more courage to, to win that match. Dean is a guy that moves his feet really well for a big guy. But Dean is also typically more aggressive, takes a lot of shots. So you could see that he was strategizing to not have to go underneath the Schultz. He didn't want to wear himself down. He knew Schultz has great conditioning. He was going to push him. But even when it, I mean, Schultz got the escape and all he needed was a takedown with about a minute and a half left. And he took maybe one or two shots in 90 seconds. He just didn't have the, the bravery he needed late to go and get one. I think he was still worried about getting countered more so than he was thinking about, I'm going to lose if I don't score. So, you know, he never had the mindset shift at the right time. and He didn't go down swinging. He just kind of went down playing the safe. Yeah. Yeah. It was unfortunate uh, for just like I thought we were going to get this dramatic finish and he just wasn't able to generate the offense. Um, this tournament gave me more confidence in Max Dean. At yeah. Nationals. Sure. But right. it's still, dude, like, uh, Yonger Bastida took fifth in the Big 12. If you told me Yonger Bastida beat Max Dean, I'm not really all that shocked. Like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of landmines. Dude, all you got to do is Max just needs to take top against Yonger. He probably should shoot top. Younger's Younger's good, man. This year, though. What, Jordan? Who's the Wyoming kid at 97? Buchanan. 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 He's really good. good He won. That kid's tough. I watched him wrestle. He looked good. I kind of... I tell you what. I want to win. If we're going to move up to heavyweight, that Hendrickson kid from Air Force? Oh, yeah. yeah. Hey, Jordan, these jabronis won't rank them above number 14. Tell them how stupid they are. Wait, you guys won't rank them above 14? Well... He hasn't beaten anybody he, yet. He can't jump somebody you haven't. He's a destroyer. Like, Let's go. Move he is. Up. And I predict him to All-American fairly high, but. You can't just do it based on you're stunting on the 15th ranked dude. You need to beat a top five guy. Beat a Colton Schultz. Beat a, beat a Cassiope. Um, and then you can get ranked higher. Can anyone beat Gable? No. Yeah, why Hendrickson for the win? <laughs> you, 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 I think the best tactic against Gable is you got to somehow rig a slam loss or something like that. He's, uh, he's, no, we we just we said this. You got to get taken down and then bait him into a tight waist tilt. Oh, he was in trouble yeah. for like one second against Gary Traub. Orndorff. Orndorff. Wrong Buckeye. Yeah. 
Oh. <laughs> um. Yeah. Uh, I. I mean, everyone's fighting for second place at this weight class. It's uh, it's pretty. It's pretty apparent. You know, everyone wants to make it to the finals to compete against Gable, but no one really wants to wrestle Gable. That, that yeah, second place is a fun fight, though. Kirkfleet blew it against Cassiope, giving up yeah, that reversal. Big time. The, but there, this got... weight class is fun. This is fun because Paris is a threat to make the finals, depending on where he's seated. So is mm-hmm. Colton Schultz. So is Cassiope. So is Kirkfleet. So is White. White Henderson's probably the favorite to make the finals, but he's opposite. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Hey, the thing with he's Paris. That kid, yeah. Hendrickson, is really fun to watch. He, is I, I like he goes for it. He's not a boring top wrestler. He's, you guys he's, watch the 12 finals versus him versus yeah. the server kid? That was crazy. Dude, he was hey, in Cradles, how Assassins. How long was Cerber pinned for? How long, Cerber was pinned for like seven yeah. seconds. It was obnoxious. There's an eternity compared to Humphreys. That ref is definitely from Stillwater because I've never <laughs> Seriously. Be you know, flat on his back for that long without getting called for a pin. I've never seen anything like it. Don't show Josh, hum- Josh Humphreys that footage. He will, be, he will destroy something. Yes. That's so so bad. He was he was so pinned. I don't know what they're waiting for. The one thing I'll say on on heavyweight, the biggest story on heavyweight for me is the uh, where what we have with Mason Paris right now. He is not you going into this year, and this is why I think not Michigan's gonna have a hard time winning CAs. You say, yeah, he's not gonna beat Gable, but he's gonna be a bonus point machine all the way to the finals, basically scoring yes. almost NCAA champion points and then yes. losing to Gable. Now he can't he can't beat Kirk Fleet. I mean, he was. He's wrestling Luffman and he beats him, but he's not the dominant force of nature he was. Bro, I don't he's know not. if he's dealing with the injury. So, do you, think, if he's do you at, think this is a regression? A six, yes. Hold on. If he's a six, uh, and he could be, and Kirkwood's a four or five, which he could be, I'm not really shocked if he makes the finals. Maybe not shocked. I mean, he's it was five to three. He's pinned. Third. He's pinned Cassiope twice. It was five three, but it was like, it was like two takedowns and yeah. pretty. It was not. It wasn't that close. Yeah. It was like kind of a blowout five close. three. I think. Cassiope and Kirkfleet evolved. Mason stayed the same virtually. Perhaps. Yes, I think well, for true. sure, Kirkfleet's gotten better. And I want to see, we haven't seen Paris versus Cassiope, but he's not, bottom line, he's not been the same guy as last year, in, in my opinion. Um, but we'll Great. see what happens at, at NCAs. Jordan, I want, want to give you the last word. What are, what are your thoughts before we uh, let you go? Hey, I don't know if this is true or not, but someone told me that or I, I saw it on Instagram that at 165, there was a big upset in the bronze medal match. The kid from Oregon State beat Anthony Valencia, but he slammed his headgear, got a team point taken away. Yep. And then Oregon State ended up losing for yep. the team title. Yeah, it came down to heavyweight, and Schultz won it for Arizona State. Half point, yes. Yes. Team points you should be able, if you win, you should be able to slam your headgear. You should only get a team point if you lose and slam your headgear. No. <laughs> nope. Yeah. Y'all are going to need a headgear spike. That should be allowed. So Party on be, these you dudes. You can celebrate, but you can't You can't get mad if you lose. You can't pout. We don't want no That's powders here. What, what do you even, like, how do you deal with a moment like that? Is that something that you hang over your athlete for a period of time? Do you yell at them? Do you get angry? Or do you no, just say, listen. I watched the coaches. They were partying too. They were pumped. Yeah, I, I think they were partying. I think it's, it's you cannot what you can't take points away. It's so stupid. You cannot <laughs> take points away. It's ridiculous. Hey, hold, on. hold on a sec. I got last words. Super match March sixteenth. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, Jaden. Who, who you got? Who you got? Uh, ben, Jaden, or Kyle? 
Oh man, well I don't don't show them this because I got I got to talk to one of them tonight. And I got to talk to the other one tomorrow night. <laughs> um, I think if I before the trials I was leaning Jaden, but given the fact that he's he's lost a couple matches, I think I got to lean towards Kyle. But I'm not really surprised by either result. Mm. I've I'm in, yes. I'm sort of in the exact same boat. I was I was team Jaden all the way through trials. I thought he was going to make the team, and I thought he was the guy with a shot to beat Sajulayev, and then. Didn't win world, so I'm like, you know what? I'm I'm now team Snyder till proven otherwise. The two out of three is is fascinating to me. Also, that's an interesting dynamic. Yes. Very awesome. Right. We got JD. Who are you gonna take? I think Kyle. He's he's looked strong as of late, and I do think his size will will be an advantage for him. Jordan won't pick. And stuff. I will not pick right now. <laughs> <laughs> At some point, you gotta you gotta put it on wax. But appreciate you guys not being politically correct and being honest. There you, you go. Well, well, we could definitely be wrong. But um, hey, Jordan, really appreciate you coming on. Love your insight. Love analyst JB. I uh, hope to get more of that. I read your tweet string yesterday. I was like, oh, this is a new little thing. A real, yeah, a lot of analysis. I loved it. Yeah, man, it was it was fun getting a different perspective because usually when I'm down on the floor, I'm in go mode, right? So I'm focused. I'm a competitor, but when you get to step outside, one, it's a lot less stressful. It's easy going. I'm eating the things that I want. I'm laughing and talking to everybody. I'm feeling good. But then two, you start to kind of hear these little anecdotes from different coaches. You, you start to see the way people operate in stressful situations. But you can just also just kind of get a ton of insight and overview of what you're seeing. So. I thought it was fun, man. I had a really good time doing it. I love the Big Ten, never wrestled in the Big Ten, but I thought it was a lot of fun. So I'm hoping that, fingers crossed, Beacon and Banner someday will be wrestling the Big Ten. Shoot, maybe Aura and Rise might be wrestling the Big Ten the way things are trending for women's wrestling. So we'll see. Awesome, man. Well, Jordan, thanks for coming on. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. A little extra thanks to Tyler, our producer. 11 minutes of OT. That's all right. That's not exactly Suriano dating at who's number one, but that's a lot of overtime. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. We'll be back tomorrow. Shane Sparks is coming on. We got a lot to say. He thinks he's going to be a, a little peacock tomorrow. He thinks he's, like, you know, arrived. He thinks he's been vindicated. But he doesn't know what's coming tomorrow. Can't wait for that. Thanks again to Jordan Burroughs, Ben Askren, J.D. Raider, and especially you for listening. We really appreciate it. Best time of the year. One of them. Can't wait for NCAA's bracket show tomorrow. Live on Flow. At Large's this evening. At Large's this evening. And you can live watch the brackets. It's going to be great. Thanks so much. See you next time. Goodbye.